Over the past week, the Indians have been no hit, had two errors at first base, essentially cost them games, and had a triple play turned against them on a rocket off the bat. Based on that, we can safely say having the pitchers throw at mirrors, hitters taking BP under ladders, and surrounding the team with black cats during spring training wasn't a smart move. This is the Selby is Godcast. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two. Get the ball. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. What is up, everybody? I'm TJ Zupi. He is Zach Meisel, and what a hell of a week this has been. I feel like I aged. I keep looking in the mirror, assuming I have gray hair or more gray hair, and I don't, and it's it's a miracle. <laughs> don't know how you can safely put this into one sentence. I tried, but I would be leaving things out. I, 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 am, I, I spent the last hour, really, trying to think about how we were going to put all of this into a, a neat, tidy podcast, but I realized it wasn't going to take place that way. I mean, this this week was crazy, so why would this podcast be any less crazy? But thank you for clicking play and finding us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course this podcast is uh, largely presented by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Godcast, where, for those of you that aren't on board yet, you're missing content, you're missing shows, where are you at? Come join us over at patreon.com slash for the low, low price of $1 per midweek episode. You've already missed out on three, but don't miss out on any more. And we you do can be one th- of the hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> or is it more <laughs> like tens and tens of supporters? <laughs> give, give us some credit there, and don't take away from our supporters. They are... Uh, the backbone of, of us being here. Uh, but we do occasionally throw out some questions that we use all over our, our different mediums, so get on board with that. But yeah, how are you uh, recovering from the week that was? <laughs> well, so I also got my second shot during the week, um, which prevented me from traveling. And um, let's just say I had planned ahead and taken a day of, of PTO, and um, I never take PTO ever. It's really hard to do in baseball season because you can't really do it between February and October. And then you get to the off season. It's like, well, why am I going to take a day of PTO when nothing's probably going to happen on November 6th anyway? So I take a day of PTO just preparing in case I had side effects. And I was feeling fine. I was feeling good. Just ready to, to sit down and watch this, this Good pitching matchup between Zach Plesac and Carlos Rodon, and uh, next thing you know, I start getting some chills, start having like fever-like symptoms, I'm really fatigued, tired, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, Zach Plesac's getting shelled anyway, I guess I can turn this off, and of course, that's the day that the Indians get no hit. Um, it's, it's uncanny, it's like, I mean, how many times did we joke in the, in the press box over the years that the one day that someone took off is the day that they're going to have to race back to the ballpark because history is happening um, right in front of us. So, yeah, it was it was a week, and that that seems like years ago because of everything that happened in Cincinnati over the weekend as well. So, um, it was 
entertaining. I feel like a lot of times the casual fan can tune out April and May baseball because it just doesn't feel like it matters much. Even though every game is the same, it's just it's hard to get into it this early. But man, these games have been compelling. And it's like one little mistake has proven so costly. And they've all come, most of these games have come down to, to the eighth and ninth innings. And um, it's, it's been entertaining. And it's still mid-April. Like, I think that's actually, it's actually exciting. Well, I would say entertaining is one way to phrase it. I don't know that everybody would say that it's been entertaining at all times. Probably not as entertaining seeing your team no hit or come within a toe of it being a perfect game. Now, I've seen a lot of people say that like it's uh, this this big negative thing. Oh, he he just missed on this this back foot slider and you know what? I think it was on purpose. He knew Roberto Perez had been killing him all evening and his only shot at completing a no-hitter was to just put him on first base and well, you can't walk him because that's kind of anticlimactic. So if I just hit him with this slider, then all everyone will say, oh, well, I just got away from him. He could have completed this. Now Roberto Perez was set to go up. I mean, that's what Cleveland catchers do, right? Break up no hitters. So why not? I think that's what he did on purpose. It could be. You might be right. I mean, that's <laughs> – I like that everyone was like, he came literally within one foot of a perfect game. So, yeah. Um, but, but, again, it's like that was a blowout, right? There was no reason to watch except that was maybe the most compelling game of the week. So – Every single day this week had something. Yeah, no, no kidding. Um, and 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 that's one thing. And then they still come out of this week over 500, which is another weird thing to try to process. That they should have at least had one more win. You have the ball that trickles through Josh Naylor's legs, and we did confirm that it's through his legs, through some. I mean, that was you and I looking at that thing like it was what is it, the Zapruder film or whatever. We're like zooming in on this thing to make sure that it goes through his legs so that it's worded properly. We're like forensic analysts. Yeah, that was more than I intended to be doing as I was trying to put my daughter to bed last night. But we did confirm that it does trickle through his legs in the second game of that series. This this season is already trying trying to to process it has been has been odd because you have that that should have been a victory. You have. I think the second game of the season where they just killed the ball in Detroit in the ballpark. Some bad luck came into play and they lost that game that they probably should have won evaluating this team is has been probably about as difficult as i would expect it to be because you're you're seeing some things that you like some things are maybe answering some questions on the good and bad end of things we're seeing some good pitching we're seeing some of the inconsistent pitching that you warned against when this season began so some of it is i would say what you would expect offensively the challenges that they have on certain nights but when they load up the home run ball they can put up some runs but just like everybody else in baseball the batting average is down there is some some bad luck at play, maybe not as much as would make you feel totally better, but I, I think this offense is is safely somewhere in the bottom third, but maybe toward the upper tier of the bottom third, if that makes sense, like 20th, uh, true talent-wise so far. But uh, yeah, we're seeing some things we expected and maybe some things we didn't. So that uh, that's fun, but also sort of perplexing at the same time. Yeah, I think this is about what, we should have anticipated. I mean, I, I don't want to toot our own horn too much, but I think we kind of warned that this was going to be a season with a lot of ups and downs, a lot of young players finding their way. And this is the result of that. You have just, it seems like 
they, first of all, they don't have a lot of margin for error. So when you make a key miscue, it's going to come back to haunt you. And th these are young pitchers. So as you alluded to, you've got Bieber who looks like just the best pitcher on the planet every time he goes out there. And then the other guys, it's sometimes they look great and sometimes they can't get out of the first or third inning. And then offensively, it's what we expected. I mean, we, we said, like, we think this will be a better offense than last year. It would be hard not to be. But there's still a lot of, lots to be desired. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think this is going to be the norm. I don't know that it'll be this much of a roller coaster ride. Um, I don't know if anyone will be able to survive if it's six months <laughs> of this. But this is what happens when you have a young team. This wasn't going to, I mean... It used to be so formulaic, right, where you knew they were going to get good starting pitching pretty much every day for the last few years, and it just was a matter of if they scored four runs or not, and there wasn't too much deviation from that, but there's going to be a lot of deviation this year. It's, it's going to be all over the map, and so, um, yeah, I think, I think this is to be expected. I think you're going to see games that, if you're an Indians fan, make you want to pull your hair out. You're going to see games that inspire you to go place money on this team winning the World Series. <laughs> and you're going to see everything in between. I want to see the stretch of baseball that inspires the, the trip to Vegas. That's the one I want to see. I can't wait for that one. Maybe it involves Oliver Perez hitting three-run home runs. <laughs> but that aside, love that wait, graphic. Wait, didn't he do that? <laughs> love love that graphic. <laughs> I see some people jumped in my mentions ripping on the TV producers. No, that's not what I mean. I I'm I'm so glad that we live in a world where that has to be prepared. Where there there needs to be that graphic somewhere. Hey, have that in the can just in case cuz you wouldn't want to get caught not having the Oliver <laughs> Perez three-run home run graphic when that thing happens. You got to be on the ball. So props to to Bally's for for having that ready to go. One of the few things maybe that I want to say good about the t TV situation for the tribe, which we'll get to coming up later in the show. But yeah, I think this, this comes back to, it's become a theme here in the early season that there are going to be mistakes and some of them are going to be necessary. It's painful at times to go through that. And if you see the same mistakes over and over, that's where it gets truly concerning. But my expectations coming into the season were not that I was going to be watching a team that was truly going to be battling for a playoff spot. How many times did we talk about the questions that needed answered? And to me, that's going to make a successful season. I realize that's not going to be the barometer for everybody, and that's fine. Watch the season the way you want. The way that I'm processing it is trying to look for growth, trying to see guys learning lessons and maybe going through the tough times and showing that they can recover from that. Baseball is, is a game of, of failure so much that the, the guys that, that know how to handle that and overcome it are the ones that end up having long careers. And for, for Josh Naylor, he makes a mistake at first base after he made two plays right before that. First base is his natural position, but anybody's capable of just having a ball go through their legs at any time, and it just happens to be at the absolute worst time. It's not so much to me about can he field a ground ball, it's can he come back mentally from that. Yu Chang, uh, that, that's a different situation because he's not familiar with first base, and we talked about this on our midweek episode over at Patreon, but... I, I want to see him be put into a similar situation again and see if he learns from it. But right now, the questions about who, where they're going to get offense from has not always been an easy one. And if he is hitting the ball harder in some at-bats, he deserves an opportunity to get more at-bats. 
And that means that there are going to be times where maybe he's put in a position defensively where he might make a bad play. I'm okay with that so long as he is learning something and the team is learning something about him. And mm. there's going to be so much of that as this season progresses. It's going to be painful. But again, Zach, my expectations were not that this team was going to go make the playoffs. It's that you were going to learn enough about some young players that when you get to 2022 and even more of these young players come up, we can start maybe getting rid of the clutter that doesn't need to be here beyond this year. And you're settling in on the guys that are part of your core for that future that you're going to build on. I think it says a lot that Jake Bowers has really struggled to convince Terry Francona that he deserves to see the field. I mean, he's come into the game as a defensive replacement sometimes, but he it was Naylor at first base in the ninth inning the other day. It was Chang at first base in the ninth inning at the start of the road trip. And I like we saw Yu Chang face a righty. And we've seen you know, you've seen it's the same thing with the outfield. I mean, the reason Ben Gamble isn't here partly is because they needed an extra arm for a couple days, but also Jordan Luplo is hitting righties and Ahmed Rosario is playing against righties. So it's like, it's, it's becoming evident um, who they want to see more of, who they think deserves more opportunities. Um, Bauer certainly isn't that, but you're right. They need, I mean, how many times have we seen Jose Ramirez come up in the first inning with nobody on and two out? I mean, they, they were getting nothing from the top of the order. Mm, that's what they unless, say about number three hitters, you know. Yeah, we talked about this. I, I mean, Cesar Hernandez has, has really, I know he's had some tough luck outs, but he's he's really struggled so far. Framil Reyes is either scorching hot when his bat makes contact, it melts the baseball, or he is frozen and just could not be colder. There's or no or Zach writes about let's let's be honest here. The cooler comes in, Zach writes about him, and then that's it for a week. I'm so pissed. I you know, the headline was Framil Reyes is the right handed power back Cleveland has coveted for years, and why couldn't we have just put Framil Reyes could be the right handed mm-hmm. power back? Such yeah, a big you know you though. always you always hedge the bets somewhat. Uh, you can't just be that out that, that out there declaring things. I do declare that Franville Reyes will go into a slump the minute Zach writes about him. But that, I don't think that's really your your fault. I think that's the type of hitter that we're seeing Franville Reyes is. Um, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I mean, everyone sure would love it if he just stays at uh, 950 to 1000 OPS at all times. But we know guys get to their levels in many different ways. For him, it is looking like he is going to be in Maybe he makes adjustments. I mean, he's still young. He could be capable of making adjustments, but perhaps he is the sort of guy that is going to go wild for a week, two weeks, carry an offense, just look absolutely nuclear offensively, and then slip into a slump. Now, for this offense, that's tough because they don't have a lot of other players that are capable of picking up the slack when he goes cold. If he's hitting in an offense where there are two or three other guys that are really talented offensive players, then I think you're really excited because when he goes off, then Mm -hmm. you're going to be putting up 10 runs a game. But right now, when the other players are struggling and you're having some tough luck, it's tough to stomach when he goes through those strikeout binges. But overall, I don't think that makes him a bad player. It makes him a different sort of player. And you have to keep that in mind as you're building an offense and trying to put together a lineup. That There are going to be stretches where he's cold, and there are going to be stretches where he's absolutely brutal to opposing pitchers. And at the end of the year... When you compile the numbers, he'll probably be a 25 to 30% above average offensive player just based on the totality of what came together. 
Right, and so that's fine. You just need guys around him, as you said. And that's been difficult because it, it, it's so weird. I mean, Lupo has been so good, which even against right hand right-handers, which is it's interesting because like the fan base wanted to jettison him out of town when they saw the opening day lineup and he was hitting first. I don't know that he belongs in the first spot long term because starting to wonder if maybe he's just one of your better run producers in general. I I don't know, um, but the the. The, line, the bottom half of the lineup is where the trouble is, right? I mean, once you get past Framil Reyes, it's just, I don't know what's there and what's there consistently. I mean, we haven't really seen it with Naylor yet. Um, we've seen glimpses. I still believe he can be a pretty productive hitter. But then the bottom of the order, it's like that first base spot. I mean, Roberto Perez has hit for some power. Um, and we're still, like, until Ahmed Rosario has a consistent position you know Jimenez has been in and out of the lineup because of that there's just not much uniformity and I'm sure it's difficult for certain guys to get in a rhythm but also it's just makes you wonder what the next move is right like there has to be another move here soon you're gonna add somebody I would think an outfielder um, but then you know how long does Jake Bowers have left on this roster and if you if you pull the trigger and bring up someone like Bobby Bradley are you going to play him more than you were playing Jake Bowers that's the question to me. I don't think there's a scenario where those two coexist, even if Bowers no, is on no, the no, bench. No, 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 no. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, are you going to play Bradley? If you DFA Bowers, call up Bradley. Are you going to play Bradley more than you were playing Bowers? Probably not, unless Yu Chang is just not getting it done offensively. A lot of this comes down to how those other guys on the other side of the platoon hit. If Yu Chang proves capable of hitting left-handers, at least somewhat consistently then he's going to continue to do that, unless he's just abominable at first base, which I can't imagine. We, we've only seen one mental mistake there as far as fielding the baseball and knowing where he's supposed to be and all, all the other things that a first baseman does. He's been fine. I haven't seen anything mm-hmm. that would make me think he can't do that or can't learn that position. It's going to come down to what he does offensively, and that's the same thing for what the other side of the platoon looks like too and how much that bleeds into facing the opposite platoon. I think that's true of Jordan Luplo. As you said, he's hit some right-handed pitching now, um, and he's even had a home run taken away from him, so his numbers should look better, but that, that replay still baffles me. can't understand what they were looking at. It hits the railing, bounces on the field. Nope, that's a double. doesn't make any sense to me, but in any case, he's hitting the ball decently well. Not, like, always scorching the ball, still striking out some, but when we're talking about what this, off- this outfield has looked like, he's producing, so maybe he starts to get some plate appearances against right-handed pitching, and that impacts that move that you're talking about because we had discussed personally between the two of us in text what that next move is because they're they're not going to go with an extra pitcher, so they're going to bring somebody else up. I thought initially maybe that's the spot where Daniel Johnson fits. And you, you and I can talk about whether that, they sh- that, that should be the move, but if Jordan Luplo is going to get an opportunity to get against right-handed pitching, well, why would you bring mm-hmm. up Daniel Johnson? That doesn't make sense. So... Maybe what you were talking about makes a bit more sense in their mind that they don't have that true defensive center fielder on the roster that can come in late in games or maybe impact the game with speed. Maybe that's Bradley Zimmer. He's hitting the ball okay in these whatever those games that, that the alternate side are worth. Maybe that's the move. Hit two home runs the other day. But I'm, I'm curious because there's going to be something here uh, that is going to give us more insight on what they think about some of these players. No, it's just doubles down on the fact that Ben Gamble never made sense on this roster. 
I think Zimmer would make some sense if you want to give Luplo regular playing time. Otherwise, yeah, Daniel Johnson can be a platoon partner out there. But again, it, it's like you have to, you have to like find some patterns here. There's just been so much mixing and matching that it's hard to keep straight. And like either Luplo's going to play against some righties or he's not. You know, you can't waver back and forth on this. So there are going okay, to be well, let's, periods let, of. Let, let, let me ahead. let me say, do you want to answer that question? Whether or not Luplo can hit against right-handed pitching? I I would say. Give him a chance for right now, especially while he's going well. Um, but how long of a leash do you... like? That's the question with everything this year, is how many opportunities do you grant? How okay, long before now, you pull that plug? If now, it doesn't to, work? Do that, to do that, somebody's losing their playing time. The, the, the obvious thing, I think, that people are screaming at their phones, their, their, their car radios, Jake Bowers, pull playing time from him. And that's fair. That said, we did talk about one of the goals of the season was to find out whether or not he could play. It's tougher to do that when he's on the bench. So me just playing devil's advocate here is just think about that. For some people, they've already thought long enough. <laughs> that is something you're going to have to consider. Either Naylor or Bowers loses playing time if you're going to give Lupola more opportunities. But I mean, I, haven't, I, we discussed, haven't we discussed whether or not that is a thing they should do? And they haven't given him any sort of prolonged run at, against Right-handed pitching, especially not when he's swinging the bat well. So it could but be it's added clear to they're the not list interested. of things. And they, they didn't call him up at any point last year either. So I I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, cool. He had a bloop single. I think he had a double. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen yeah, that. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I mean, they have enough his... things to figure out that I, if they cut bait with him and he... Look, if they cut bait with him and he turns into a superstar somewhere else... Anybody who is pissed at the team for that happening is going to have receipts somewhere on their Twitter profile <laughs> where they said, enough of this guy, get him out of here, and call up Bobby well, Bradley. Uh, well, I think the reflection would come back on the organization. What didn't you do that this other team is doing? And there are a few of those guys that have gone elsewhere and had success. So then this would become a uh, bit of a track record for this organization of losing guys that go elsewhere and have some success. So that would reflect poorly on the organization, not so much sure. on those that, that screamed about him playing right now. Now, I will say, if you look at the numbers, you know he has hit the ball as far as you're looking at average exit velocity, which is up all around baseball. And it appears to be because the ball is, I think I'd read, maybe a little bit lighter so it's leading to higher exit velocities, but the ball isn't traveling as far. And so the end result is nothing changes. Good job, Major League Baseball. You really are smart <laughs> on this. I want to give him credit that he is hitting the ball harder somewhat, but he, the, the high fastballs are just eating him for lunch right now, and he's just swinging through everything yeah, in the high strike zone. I saw zone. him take a strike three. I think it was like a 92-mile fastball down the middle, and that was... Uh, that's it. Like, I, I just, uh, it's at some point you're going to have to start yeah. making decisions. And it, I, I know it's only mid April, but you just have so many players. And at least don't make a decision because you're afraid of what might happen in terms of a, a guy who has done nothing randomly figuring it out. When you actually have a player who's going really well and has done some good things for you in the past in Luplo. And maybe he can seize an opportunity. There's nothing... That, that's the thing, too, about, the, about platooning all these young players. Is sometimes you shield yourself from actually finding out that they can be an everyday player. And with Luplo, like, throughout the minors, he hit lefties and righties. 
Um, it's just he hit lefties much better, I think, when he got to the major leagues, and he, you know, he just fit the roster in a platoon role in Cleveland. But that doesn't mean he can't hit righties. I know he has struggled against them the last. Um, in 2019, he wasn't great against them. In 2020, he was really bad against them. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. If you can hit lefties to the degree he hits lefties, you could probably hit righties a little bit, right? Like, it's not <laughs> night and day. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it comes down to do you have somebody that would be better against right-handed pitching? A lot of, a lot of teams would say, yes, we do. This, this team, it's not so clear. So maybe he gets that chance. Yeah, I, I just, it, again, like... I'd rather, I'd rather like ride the coattails of a player who <laughs> is showing some positive signs than trying yeah. to pray that this other guy's gonna figure it out. That's all. Yeah, I mean he's not just squeaking the ball over the fence. He's hit some screamers to center field. He's crushing the ball. I'm and not, you com- you build on confidence. Like true, it, it's easier for that to happen than to just hope that a guy gets out of a rut. Yeah, I mean unquantifiable. But you have to imagine plays some sort of role here. And the other thing, too, is if he's playing in the outfield, you would think that that's an improvement over what you have been playing in right field. Naylor is, and really, Naylor and and Franmil in right field is, to quote Bilbo Baggins, an adventure. Uh, and so if you can upgrade the, the right field defense by playing Luplo some more, maybe that has some positive impacts, too. Now, strikeouts with the staff and the way things are going in Major League Baseball, maybe defense just will not matter ever again. Um, but it's something to keep in mind. Uh, but to to transition to said pitching, I'm curious what you thought of, of Tristan McKenzie's start. And you and I were, were kind of uh, providing commentary back and forth during that thing. Just looking at the, the radar gun and what he said after the game, if you look at the, the actual box score, you'd have... A tough time coming up with much to really complain about, but I'm just curious, kind of where you're at on the type of performance we've seen so far from Trip. He's to me, he's in that that stage of the career that I, I vividly remember Danny Salazar having, Trevor Bauer having, um, maybe even Justin Masterson at one point, where like they've they've established that they can be a good pitcher, but there's going to be a year, some pretty early in the career where there's just a lot to sort out, a lot to learn. Um, and with him, I mean, he's still trying to like repeat his delivery consistently start to start and be consistent out of the stretch versus out of the windup. And so with that, you're seeing some velocity dips. You're seeing some inconsistencies. That's going to happen. I mean, the guy didn't pitch for two years. I think he's 23 years old. It's just... Like you have to to live with some of this stuff, and the fact that he's able to still pitch pretty well and limit the damage is encouraging. So, yeah, I think it, he's in such a good place to prosper because you've got obviously Bieber to look at, but even Plesak and Savali, who have been through this a little longer than he has, and so there isn't that pressure on him to be a top line starter right now, where he's going out and pitching seven innings every time out. Um, he can kind of work through some of this stuff. And, yeah, if he can go five innings and give up one run, no matter how much he labored through it, and no matter how much you're sitting there wondering, man, why is that fastball only 89 miles an hour? The end result is that's what you want. 
and you can figure out some of the other stuff in between starts. I, I tell you, with that extension, if he could get consistently to 92 to 93, that has to look like 97 to 98. I'm sure we could quantify that looking at extension on the pitches to get more of a perceived velocity. But we are already seeing when he's throwing 90, 91, 92, it's still capable of getting on these hitters more quickly than you would think based on the radar gun. Now, I had questions about the Cincinnati radar gun anyhow in that start, and then Emmanuel Classe came in throwing 101, so either he was either throwing 103 or the radar gun was just fine. But everyone before Emmanuel Classe came in, maybe he's just he, he fixed the gun by throwing so hard. Uh, everyone before that was down like a mile point mile point one mile per hour it was it was weird that everybody consistently on all pitches was down about the same so i thought maybe there was something to the radar gun being off but maybe not in any case he's still capable of striking guys out and missing bats at that velocity i think that's incredible and i think that it it leads to some excitement on some level because he's clearly not a finished product and if he can add just a just a tad more velocity He's already striking out guys at the same rate he was last year at 33%, which yeah. last year was a top 10% in the league. If you look at some of the expected stuff, it's not pretty. I mean, if you look at Baseball Savant has an expected ERA based on the quality and frequency of contact, and that sits at 5. Guys are hitting the ball. They're, they're just crushing the ball on average exit velocity off of him. But when he's out there also missing bats at the way that – I mean, he's 91st percentile in whiff percentage, just pure swing and miss. If you're missing that many bats, you're doing something right. <laughs> so I think that in some ways you could say it's a little concerning about the velocity and the walks right now are uncharacteristic for him. But don't you think he can get that kind of squared squared away and figured out and still be able to miss bats the way that he is? That's that's mm -hmm. really excited. I'm long term, I'm not worried about him. Maybe short term that he's going to have some some rough outings while he is kind of working himself through, but he's 23 years old. He's learning how to pitch. And on top of that, he still is capable of making guys look silly in the box. I think that's all long-term very encouraging. Yeah, this plays into the whole, this, there's going to be a wide range of outcomes this year. And every single day presents something compelling to watch and to monitor. Because every time he pitches, it sure is interesting. Um, I mean, didn't expect him to have a higher exit velocity on, on his his two his two two hits than his uh than his fastball had uh, but yeah i mean he's he's just like it it i hate to compare someone to danny salazar because the guy um vanished into thin air but like it does remind me of that where you got a glimpse of danny salazar his rookie year you saw the stuff it was electric it was exciting like this is a, a guy you're going to build around in the rotation for the next however many years and then coming back, I think like that second year, I think he had to go to AAA for a little bit. And you saw the stuff. The stuff was there. It was just inconsistent. And there were some command issues. And it was just a matter of like learning how to be. I know it's so cliche and doesn't really mean anything. But learning how to be a big league pitcher. And learning how to be consistent in the days between your starts so that you're best set up on that fifth day. And you can repeat your delivery. And your mechanics yeah. are good and you have the right scouting report and approach with your catcher and all that stuff. That's No one just knows all of that inherently when they arrive in the big leagues. There's a huge learning curve and this is the year where that happens. Well, think about even 
Carlos Carrasco, as recently as last year, would go through outings where they would have to tell him to ramp it up in your aggressiveness, that sometimes you just get out of that mindset of, of trying to attack, 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 and that doesn't always mean throw balls down the middle, but just having an aggressive mindset as a pitcher instead of just trying to perfectly place the ball around the corners, Let, letting mm -hmm. the stuff do what it does, knowing that you can trust it, that you can get guys out, and not being afraid of the occasional hard contact that you're going to give up. I think everybody has to go through that. Um, you know, even one of the best pitchers on the planet right now, and Shane Bieber, has had to go through stretches like that uh, early in his career. And you can get out of that mindset. To me, it looks like somebody, um, and this is just watching from afar on my couch as I eat potato chips and criticize somebody that is <laughs> really good, I think, in their major league career. But you're sitting there going, just throw the ball harder, dude. Just get aggressive. Just, <laughs> just don't worry about being so perfect because – you got the extension on the fastball. You can make guys look silly. And don't worry about pitching into the fifth or sixth. Take care of this inning right now and just give it your all. Empty the tank. And I, th I think young pitchers have to kind of learn that too. That you know, They're thinking of how do, I, uh, how do I last into the sixth? How do I last into the seventh? Instead of just thinking this is my one inning to go out there and dominate, then we'll come back out there, and when I'm out of gas, they'll come get me. Yeah, it's, there's so much that they have on their minds. It's difficult. Sure. And I think... I think when you're a rookie, maybe you have so much adrenaline and you have jitters and that can get you through at least your first couple starts. And I know Tristan only made six last year. So, um, you know, maybe that's some of it. You don't quite have it to that degree in year two, but look, he's, he's your fifth starter. I mean, this rotation is full of, it's the age ranges are 23 to 26 and all these guys are either really freaking talented or top 100 prospects so it's a good uh it's a good group to have and just we're watching it from kind of the ground floor up right now yeah and just being or having that prospect pedigree doesn't really mean anything once you get there the indians have a, a, a few of those guys jake bowers is one of them they not that long ago had the shine of being a top 100 prospect ahmed rosario some people thought could be a superstar it still looks like he has those tools. I mean, hell, he's only 25 to be saying things, declaring his career to be dead at that point when he has the tools that he has seems silly, which is why I want to continue to see more of him. And mm. I'm, I'm glad that he's at least elevated to the, the place where, where Terry Francona feels comfortable enough to run him out there in center field whenever. And it looks like he's rewarded that, that confidence because he looks <laughs> – I know everyone focuses on the really bad day he had in spring training, but – does he look any different than a normal center fielder out there right now? No, the only thing, and, and Francona's pointed this out, is you're so used to that arm slot from shortstop mm -hmm. where you're almost like three quarters, maybe even sidearm almost, um, just whipping it across the infield. And you can't really do that in the outfield because you need a little bit of loft so that it carries farther. Um, there have yeah. been a couple of times where I think maybe it's something I've noticed. I don't know if I would have noticed it if it wasn't pointed out by the manager, but... Um, yeah. That's something you, again, like if that's the biggest concern out there, he's had no issues with tracking down fly balls to the warning track or determining whether you need to come in or is your first step well, back or well, what. Like well, he's think, been fine. Think, Zach, he's still playing shortstop too. Yeah. So do you, do you want him to lose the arm slot for shortstop or do you want him to lose, to just not have it yet in the outfield? To me, I think it's more, it's more impactful that he's able to still complete that throw at shortstop the way that he should compared to maybe the few times that he has to unleash a, a, a good throw 
in the outfield. Well, you and really it, want to impress me, then maybe throw with your left hand when you're playing <laughs> center field and your right hand when you're playing shortstop. But to kind of put some, some context on what Zach is talking about, remember Michael Brantley used to just unleash these perfect throws from left field all the time. But he, he wasn't that he was throwing super hard. Like, if you looked at his velocity on his throws, it probably would not be impressive. But Tito used to always talk about the carry that he had mm-hmm. on the throws, the the fact that that ball would just it, – it wouldn't be as, as, as hard coming out. But the ball just stayed in the air for a long time on that low plane – that, and and it, he was always accurate with his throws. That he he ended up nailing a lot of guys at second base or third base on assists because he was always just unleashing these perfect throws. And the reason for that, more than likely, we don't have data on this, but he's probably back spinning the ball like a four seam fastball, where the ball is having you know, we talk about ride and carry on a fastball and it not dropping at the same rate that it that it should because of the way he was probably spinning the ball. It probably stayed in the air a little bit longer, and it wasn't always a, a, a gun as much as it was just a really sound throw with good spin that stayed in the air for a long time. And that's that's probably the thing that that is going to come over time, or maybe never comes at all for Rosario if he's also still playing some shortstop. It seemed like once a week when the Indians were at home, there would be a, a player would hit a ball that one hopped the left field wall. And Brantley would wait for it to drop into his glove, turn around, and unleash a perfect throw to nail someone at second base. Like, I have so many memories of that. Just, I can picture it second by second unfolding because (laughs) he just had that down perfectly. Yeah, I mean, well, that's something that is beneficial when you can watch the game. You can just picture it in your mind. But when you can't watch the game or you're having to resort to radio... A little tougher to picture what's actually taking place on the... That is a conversation that Zach and I have been wanting to have since the season started. The the inability for uh, Bally and these providers and... Uh, is it Sinclair that, that owns the, the networks for Bally's? Yes. That would be working through negotiations with these streaming services. They, they still have not come to any sort of resolutions. That's why you, if you have YouTube TV, if you have Hulu, uh, Sling any other ones, you don't have regional sports networks that carries Indians or Cavaliers on your, your tiers for watching. Now, we threw it out to our, our Patreon supporters. So I wanted to get some sort of, of, of peek into how they have adapted, or maybe it's not even part of their, of their thought process, and we're making too much of it. We saw some of that from, from our supporters, people that said, eh, we, we just... We have cable, or we have satellite, and things have never changed for us. Or we live out of state, and so therefore we, we have MLB TV, and outside of when the team might play a, a team that's close to me here, I don't have to worry about blackout restrictions. But we did see some people that had to jump through some hoops or not jump through them at all. And these are people that I would consider to be really hardcore. I mean, if they're, give, if they're giving us money to listen to more of this show, I have to think that they are as hardcore as hardcore gets in their fandom. And if they don't care enough to jump through those hoops to go watch the team, I got to think that's not a good thing for not only the team, but also the sport overall. And it being such a regional thing anyways, as you're progressing more towards that, I would think fewer eyeballs, especially locally on the team, ain't a good thing. So this is not just a Cleveland thing. This is, I mean, Sinclair owns all of those. Remember, what, wasn't it like, what was it at first? Like Fox Sports Net and then 
Fox Sports Ohio. Yeah. Well, way back in the day, it was Sports Channel. Sports Channel, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was Fox Sports Net, where it, Fox, Fox Sports Net, and then it became regionally uh, based, and, and then the Indians split off, did their own network, did their own thing. Yeah. So basically, this is happening everywhere where the team doesn't have its own network. So the Yankees have yes, so they don't have to worry about this. The Cubs have marquee now, so they don't have the regional sports network issues. But a lot of teams do, and uh, this is a widespread problem for baseball and part of the reason is one alternative i think that there are fans who are hardcore fans of baseball in general who are willing to pay for mlb tv but you black out the games locally which seems like such a night a 20th century type thing to do um yeah i get the the idea of trying to protect the local channels protect the your, your local partnerships but i gotta think there's some way to make all of this work. I got to think. And everybody should want more people to see the games. That should be the bottom line. So you're right. There needs to be a way to get rid of that. And so so that's one issue. Um, I, I think we can look at this from the franchise standpoint and think about the current relationship between the city, the fan base, and the team. And we've talked about this. It's pretty toxic out there. Um, it's There are diehard supporters who, no matter what happens, will always support the team and be optimistic about it. There are local people who will, and this is the case with any team in, in any circumstance, who won't care about the team or what they do um, until it's the postseason and that team is there. But there are a lot of people who are frustrated. And they're frustrated with the payroll. And they're frustrated with the way that this window slammed shut. And they're frustrated with, uh, the you know, for all the people who are still yapping about Cliff Lee and CC Sabathia getting traded a decade Where after that people? happened. <laughs> I want them on the podcast to talk about it. Well, I want them to finally talk through their feelings. <laughs> I mean, they were kind of re-emboldened by the trade of Francisco Lindor. So... There's just so much angst and frustration. And I think the one thing that really can help this team that I mean, just has a massive PR nightmare is to just allow people to focus on what's happening on the field and allow them to participate in Shane Bieber's brilliance and allow them to watch some of these young players grow and go through the ups and downs of a season so we stop talking about the Dolans and whether they're going to sell and what Francisco Lindor is doing and just all of the the frustrating things and the name change and the fact that it's more difficult than ever to watch this team is not helping whatsoever. I mean, this the Sinclair dispute could not have come at a worse time for the Indians and we can talk, we, we can cover this first, but then there's a, a whole separate issue on the radio side. Yeah, well, and I just want to run through some of our, our Patreon supporters who had weighed in on this topic. Will had said he was a YouTube subscriber. He went from watching 75% of the games last year to only having watched the home opener so far. And he added that he has MLB TV and a VPN, but it's a hassle and it's inconvenient versus just putting it on in the background. Making, <laughs> putting more steps in front of people that it's already a sport that you're concerned about that. It just doesn't seem to be smart. 
Now, as Will said, there are ways around it, and you know I've had to resort to that because I don't want AT&T. We already have YouTube, and we already have all these other streaming networks. I'm not going back to cable. There's a reason why we left that. And even uh, Mark had said that he was a longtime Dish subscriber, and then the Indians were off of Dish, so then he went in with, with Hulu, and then Dish still doesn't have it. Hulu doesn't have it anymore. YouTube doesn't have it. So what, you're supposed to go out and put in another satellite dish if you had had satellite? It doesn't seem smart either. <laughs> um, and I know this is a sep- that's a separate discussion anyhow. Um, I was a little bit surprised by the number of people that just say they live out of state. Not so much that I, I recognize people move away, but more so that we have that vast amount of people all over the country. I mean, the, the Selby is Godcast network is strong across the country. We got Nebraska. Uh, someone said they're in Australia. That's awesome. Uh, Shout out to the thousands and thousands of Selby is Godcast listeners. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, BM had said he'd drop YouTube TV, still had to switch to AT&T, was incredibly frustrated with that. Now you're going to get people to do that. And they, they're hardcores. They desire this every night. And so they're going to jump through those hoops. But how many people are not going to do that? Mm-hmm. And that's that's my concern. I know it's it's a beyond a Cleveland thing. It's not just an Indians problem. And the team, they, they only have so much control over this. I don't know what the sport can do to kind of step in to help that. And someone had even said that they thought that this was maybe a little bit overblown because a lot of people still have their cable networks, still have their satellite networks. Sure. And, and my theory on that... I, I don't have data on this, but I got to think that the older audience probably has mm-hmm. stuck with their cable. You know, I when I try to tell my parents about, you know, that we have when they come over to watch the kids, and I got to explain, okay, this show the kids watch is over here on this on this platform, and then you got to go over here, and then if you want to watch the game, you have to do this. Like they they're so confused, they just want to be able to go home, put on their cable, and that's it. So I got to think the older audience, yeah, is sticking with it, but who, where where does baseball really need to connect? Mm-hmm. With a younger audience that's that's getting into more streaming and more uh, watching things on phones and computers and tablets. I want to watch the Indians play the White Sox on TikTok. Come on. <laughs> and I would think, again, I don't have data to back this up. This is just a theory. I got to think that a lot of people that have cut the cord is that younger audience. And so, therefore, those are the people that you are losing. I don't think that's a good thing either. Yeah, It's just, so, it's I mean... just a, a bad thing overall for the sport. I switched from Hulu to AT&T TV like the day before the season started, just in case for any games I'm not at, I at least have some way of watching. Um, and I think a lot of people have done that. I, I agree it's probably a little bit overblown. It does definitely seem like... Because you only hear from the people who say, this is BS that yeah, I can't everybody watch. That, and, everybody that lost it. Those are the people you're hearing right. from. Um, you know, I think there's a problem with radio, too. If, where can you, (laughs) this almost might be detrimental to even bring this up, is part of the reason people like our podcast because it's one of the very few places you can hear Tribe Talk? I mean, where can you get Indians talk? We're we're not that good. We're not that interesting. And people (laughs) flock here (laughs) because they just don't have a lot of alternatives. Um, Here's the thing. No, I'm being facetious. We are much better than the one star experience that we, that people claim that we are. What the hell was that? Anyway, I love uh, it. The the one star experience needs to be <laughs> that that's going to be my finisher, not the five star frog splash. The one star experience. <laughs> but they didn't even uh, forget it. 
So, I totally understand this is a football town. 92-3 and 850 are the football rights holders. They're going to talk far more Browns than anything else. I, I can't argue that whatsoever. It makes sense from them from a business yeah. standpoint. It makes sense from them in an appeasing the team that they host standpoint. That's It is what it is. But if you want Tribe Talk, you would think that you could go to the radio home of the Cleveland Indians <laughs> and more often than not, you'd hear sports talk. Not even just Tribe Talk, but sports talk. But on the radio home of the Indians in Cleveland, WTAM 1100, it's... It's a political news network. I mean, it's not... You get sports talk on some nights when the Indians are off. And that's it. And it's it's really a shame because this team needs more visibility. They need to draw in more fans. We know that. And it's really hard to do when nobody's talking about them. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be on a level of like a rah-rah sort of thing. But just having an avenue where when something happens, someone can explain it to you, explain it to an audience, make people understand a team perspective. I think that's important. The Browns do that. They've got their own radio show on top of the fact that they have two two sports stations that are just going to talk about them nonstop. Mm -hmm. I got Um, kicked off of 92.3 the other day because two minutes before my segment, Sheldon Richardson got released. (laughs) And I totally understood it. I texted Adam the Bull... Uh, he called me as I was texting him because I assumed they were going to need to bump me, but it just shows you like, yeah. you know, that's kind of, that's where this town is, which is, again, it's fine. It's just the Indians need a presence somewhere and they don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. And, and the benefits there that they're going to think of being on TAM, as I'm sure a lot of people will, will point out, we have all of our people that are out of the viewing area that are across the country that maybe can still get out their radios and catch WTAM. Um, you know, it's a powerful engine that can pump out that signal, and a lot of people can still listen to Indians baseball. So there's there's the benefit there of being on a station like that that it's it's going to reach more ears. You know that's the, mm-hmm. the one of the reasons why the Browns when they left TAM and MMS they they went to two sport two different sports stations because that helps everybody be able to catch it a little bit better and then they they brought in some online stuff too so you can he, you can hear it that way as well but when you leave someone like 1100 you would think okay, we're going to lose people listening because the the you're not going to find a station that's powerful as that um, down the dial anywhere here close so i i get that from that perspective but you're right you know on opening day you want to tune in you want to hear I don't. I, I don't want it to be like this. It's firing you up again, like it's a cheerleading mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But you you do want you do want people to to be fired up when they're getting ready for the season to start. And uh, you know, I think just with the way radio is now, and everyone's kind of stretched thin. There's not just there's not as much emphasis as there used to be. Like the, tuning into the pregame shows used to really really mean something. And now you, you get Rosie doing a tremendous job. But I'm talking about everything leading up to that point. You don't get the same breakdown that you once did. And it, it's not the host's fault or producer's fault. It's just there's not as much put into that as there used to be. You don't have as many ha- hands on deck to help you out um, as there used to be. Uh, just not as much emphasis. And that's not as, as important as it once was. And that's a shame. You're right. There, to be able to have some place where, where fans could 
could turn would be would be a tremendous service to to the Indians, good and bad. Just any discussion on any on an any day basis would be would be beneficial. Think about the off season. There's literally there's nothing. Um, I mean, you're so. I think the way like ninety two three and eight fifty operate is if there is, and I, I'm saying this like they have these shows talk about the Indians, and again, I I don't have a problem with how they operate because they operate in the way that benefits them and in the way that like you know when you talk Browns, those phone lines light up. You know that mm-hmm. you worked in radio for long enough. Um, but I think it's basically just if Indians news happens, we'll react. And yeah. I mean, I don't even know about the Cavs anymore, but otherwise it's basically, you know, if you have segments to fill in, the default setting is the Browns and that's fine. The problem is that on 1100 during the off season, like if I'm trying to, if it's December and I was like, man, I'd love to hear a discussion on like where Francisco Lindor might end up if they're really going to trade him. Yeah. And you can't even get that. Like that's, that's where it just, it really hurts. This well, team. personally. Personally, keep doing that because that sends people over here and right. has people requesting emergency podcasts for everything. Because I think that shows <laughs> that there is an audience out there that's craving that, that doesn't feel like their needs their needs are getting met elsewhere, and that's fine. It from a personal standpoint, you and I appreciate that, but we also are if, looking at this from a uh, a team growth and sport growth aspect as well, and we just want to see more. More is is better in some regard. And I think that there's enough there's enough airwaves out there to go around. Uh, and I hope maybe maybe some people just need to lead the charge on that and and show that there are people out there that are craving this sort of thing. And I may, maybe maybe we can be there helping to to lead that charge. I hope so. Well, hey, if if they don't if nothing changes, you know, it won't be too long until we have millions and millions of supporters. <sighs> Yeah, I can't wait for that. Uh, I won't hold my breath. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, where we're here every single beginning of the week with a free episode. And then if you want more, if you are craving more, we do have it for you. Patreon.com slash Godcast, where we bring you a an extra episode per week at least. And sometimes it's a little bit different. Sometimes it's more discussion. A lot of it just depends on what you guys want. And... Uh, you let us know all the time over at patreon.com slash So thank you to that. For that, thank you to all of you that listen every single week. You are so very important to all of us, truly. And you can find us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, at Godcast. Any parting words? No, I'm going to go look in the mirror and see if I have any gray hairs. <laughs> God, I have to do that every single day. They are multiplying. We are out of here. See you later, everybody. Bye-bye.